0: Countdown to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop!
1: That's right. We are opening the shop up to newbies to help them find their way under this giant comic book tent.
2: And we're keeping the lights on for the oldies, some of which have been around so long that uh, stuff they've
0: loved is now going to be available for everyone. (laughs) Wow, that is true. I I hope we're available for everybody. And I am the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as always. And we are never... Going to go out of style,
2: for sure. I mean, well, we no. were never in style. Yeah, so. we, are, we are
1: copyrighted and trademarked, so we got that all covered. Do we? We need to get legal on this. I'm
0: not sure. <laughs> okay. We filed the paperwork. The, those the guys. Told me. <laughs> Just fire the intern. Fire the intern. Uh, so, in any case, if you're wondering why we're talking a little bit about copyright, it's because one of the characters that we're going to be discussing in this week's book their copyright is actually coming up soon. Not soon. Blame Rob Liefeld.
2: <laughs> Why are you blaming Rob Liefeld? Cause I, I am a Rob Liefeld fan unapologetically, but he, on his podcast a few weeks back was talking about Superman and how Superman is primed to enter the public domain in nine years,
0: Ooh. just like Mickey Mouse is primed to enter the public domain next year. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so it it started, making me think about like again what would that mean to have superman in the public domain because again what we're talking about this week is another superman book we're going to be covering uh, mark russell and mike allred's superman the space age that three-part miniseries that wrapped up from dc last year but again as i mentioned what would happen if superman was in the public domain because i'll be very honest I think that you could make a very strong argument that Batman is the iconic DC character, right? first DC character you think of is Batman. Well, he's the one the company is stupidly named after. Right, exactly. Detective Comics Comics. And Spider-Man is the iconic Marvel character. But Superman is the icon of all superheroes. There is no superhero people know more than Superman. And so, like, I think he transcends even, quote unquote, the big two, even though he's a part of the big two. So him going into public domain is huge, kind of like the Mickey Mouse of superheroes. Like, it kind of all starts with Superman. Yeah, it'll give everybody their own
2: shot at making a Superman comic, whether DC would authorize that or not. Right. Right.
0: In fact, you could put Superman in Marvel. There you go. Like I've always said, there should be a Superman in Marvel. No, so they shouldn't. there shouldn't. That's the one character that kind of missed it. Don't they have Hyperion? Sam have... Sentry. Look, they should have got Captain Marvel. They should have got Shazam. That's who they should have got in Marvel. I've said that for years. But any case, to think about like Superman being in the Marvel Universe or over at Dynamite or Image or wherever because he's in the public domain really made me start thinking.
1: But is he in the public domain? He's not, it's kind of. So, this is where things get interesting and legal. And Andrew's going to play some sort of legal eagle backstory.
2: Maybe he can do a LA law. <laughs> there you go. And LA we should law. state before we go too far into this we are not lawyers. We're not pretending <laughs> to be lawyers. Please don't confuse us with
0: adequate legal representation. <laughs> none, exactly. none, of this,
1: none of this can be construed as legal advice. <laughs>
0: It is true. We, fa- we, we failed the bar in like 18 states. That's not true. We've gone to plenty of bars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, I'm going to co- play the country rube, who's come into the law offices of, of Scott and Smith, and uh, they're going to kind of t- school me a little bit on copyright as well as a trademark. So first and foremost, uh, J.A., how long is actually a copyright on a character in place? And and it actually hasn't been that way for forever, right?
1: No. So uh, currently it is 95 years from the death of the creator in the U.S. In other countries, it's less. In Europe, it's much less. But in the United States, and we're just going to talk U.S. law for this sort of segment, uh, well, it's 95 years.
2: Unless the work was published after 1978. Oh, In which case? It is 70 years after the death of the 70 creator. 70 years, yes. Right. The For older characters like Mickey Mouse, like Superman, it's actually 95 years from first publication. Okay. If they were before 1978. So after 1978, it's the clock starts after the creator's death. Okay. Uh, so that's a big distinction.
1: There's a reason for this. Uh, because of what is aptly named the Mickey Mouse Law where Disney went to Congress to try to extend the copyright on Mickey Mouse. The one that is now expiring next year was meant to expire, I think, in the 80s. Let us be quite clear. What is expiring is the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse and how this relates to uh, Superman. Superman is actually the action comics, number one, the first appearance of Superman. That is what is entering the public So, but that, again, is just the copyright, not the trademark, because trademarks last forever. So, if you're looking at, uh, you know, a comic book, Superman, The Man of Steel, the stylized S, the DC logo, here are the things that you would not be able to do in your Superman comic book. You can't call the title of your Superman comic book Superman. Mm Superman. Because that's trademarked by DC. You can't use the stylized S, also trademarked by DC. You can't call him the Man of Steel Mm. uh, on the cover. Inside the book, you can call your character Superman. You can use Clark Kent. You can use Lois Lane. But because this is Action Comics number one, he doesn't come from Krypton yet. I don't know if he flies. He doesn't um, fly.
2: He just leaves tall buildings.
1: With that's right. Rounds.
0: That did yeah, not come he- into play until the Max Flusher cartoons many, many years later when they decided that it was easier to animate somebody flying than just jumping very far. And Even the S is different. It's not your traditional Superman shield that's
2: developed over time.
1: Yes. is And, and some of that, again, is trademarked. So you can't use it on the cover. So how do you make a Superman comic book, but yet You don't have those elements On the cover, so you can't really Show the Superman
0: You put him in the Avengers That's how you do it You do! No, seriously, why not? If you were Marvel, why wouldn't you just... you call it the Avengers book starring Superman, but you wouldn't put Superman. you just put, like, him and from the back or whatever, or flying and just... But yeah, you could do it. Or you do what Barnes & Noble does and just put a fancy leather-bound collection with a different font. Oh, see? So it is possible. But that is the reason why there are certain books out there now, like, for example, Dynamite, I think, puts out a book called Lord of the Jungle which is really about Tarzan, but they can't say Tarzan on the cover because that's trademarked. Even though the character of Lord Greystoke, I think that's his name. Lord Greystoke, Grey- yes. He is no longer co- covered by copyright. Given that was, published eons ago and jay since you're here to offer an international flavor there's more to it than just u.s copyright
2: law as well
1: yes because european copyright law is much less restrictive than u.s copyright law so in europe i think it might be less than 50 years They they don't they're like if you didn't make your money on this then that's (laughs) sorry buddy you should
2: have bought the wine when you could But there you go. I know you're one of our big Conan fans here on the podcast.
1: Yes. Oh, Conan gets way. So Conan is completely in the public domain if you get the original stories. But anything that's been edited, that's not in the public domain. Anything Marvel did obviously is not in the public domain. The name Conan is trademarked by uh, the entity that passes the trademark around from Marvel to Dynamite to Dark Horse. If you want to write a conan book or publish a conan book you have to take the original stories as they were originally written you can transcribe them but you can't use conan so you could call them the samarian or, or you know but it gets even stronger there was a guy who was making conan statues in the likeness of conan based on the original stories and he got taken to court and lost because wow. an, it,
2: what was the justification to, there
1: It was violating the trademark.
0: Oh, the trademark of Conan's huge muscles.
1: I I don't know. I mean, I didn't know that you
0: could trademark a (laughs) loincloth. Well, in closing, before we get into our our comic book review in just a second, I do want to kind of point out that although this law has changed for Mickey Mouse in the past, there's a possibility that it could, I guess, change again, technically, because... It is a Mickey
1: Mouse law. A bad law that that was put in solely because of uh, the interests of certain congressmen. I mean, all apologies to our mouse-based
2: overlords that keep those comics that we love coming out all the time. Please don't back the up <laughs> yeah,
0: They own all the IP. They own the IP, the JP, the KP. Everything.
1: Say what you will about this Mickey Mouse law. I mean, Sonny Bono obviously did it from a place of love because it wasn't doing it so much for him. But for Cher, <laughs> who's never gonna die <laughs> She can turn back time, <laughs> She can
0: find a way
1: All right. and, 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 and I'm fine with that Because we need to protect Cher
0: <laughs> Okay We also have to protect our podcast We're gonna have some commercial breaks And we'll be right back with uh, Our review of Superman The Space Age By uh, Mark Russell And Mike Allred Right after this Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code L-C-S-P-O-D today. That's L-C-S-P-O-D. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old-school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week, there are people that really annoy me, and I'll call them out as the jag-off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: And we are... Back with our review of Superman Space Age From DC Comics Chad,
2: who did this book? Superman Space Age Was a three issue prestige miniseries uh, This came out starting around September of 2022 And then issue two came out shortly thereafter And there was like a six or seven month gap Before issue three came out to finish things off But it was written by Mark Russell It was drawn by Mike Spike Allred Colors by Laura Allred, and Dave Sharp was a letterer. Okay,
1: so Andrew, why don't you give us that 10 cent synopsis? What is this about? Why should somebody be interested in yet another prestige Superman comic book? seems like DC puts out a prestige Superman comic book every year because
0: <laughs> Every year, every three months. Well, I mean, it's Superman. I mean, so there's a, there's an infinite number of Superman stories that you can tell. I, I really do feel that, honestly. Really? Because I just think if there's one. Really? Because they just retold the same story. <laughs> Let me get into the 10 cent synopsis. Once... And we, we can talk. No, I'm going to take. Once they get the public domain, they're in trouble. Uh, They've uh, only got 10. the one. Here's the 10 cent synopsis. Okay. So long story short, this is a retelling of like. Like, everything you kind of sort of know about Superman. But he crash lands in Kansas. He's raised by the Kents. He wants to do more with his power, but he can't because, you know, the Kents are like, meh, why do you want to do more? Hang out on the farm. And he's like, okay, fine. But this time around, it's in the 60s. And that's the, the, the dawn of the space age. And, like, so everything's kind of got this, like you know, sixties vibe to it where like Wayne industries and Lex Corp are like competing for like military contracts. I mean, eventually Superman does come to Metropolis falls in love with Lois as you might think he does. And then almost starts world war three. Eventually Lex tries to blow up the country. And, and you know what? Eventually what really happens is they retail all of Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? We did that review, like, last year. If you want to go back to the last Comic Shop archives and listen to what happened in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you can, but the five-cent synopsis of that is, like, Anti-Monitor just wants to destroy all the universes, which is what happens here. Create a Justice League. There's all the Batmans and Wonder Womans and Flash who just seems to not really care about... My- I... Regardless, it just goes through this timeline leading up to the destruction of Earth. And I guess it comes down to, like, what is actually Superman's best choice when it comes to being a hero? They talk about trolleys quite a lot in this series. So that's my 10 cents an office. I mean, I I, mean, I butchered it, but, like, yeah. there's more to unpack here. Yeah. And there is. If
1: If you're on the Switch and the trolley is barreling down the track... And switch A sends the trolley with the people towards this comic book, or switch B sends the trolley towards regular Crisis on Infinite Earth.
0: Which way do you send them? Which <laughs> way do you send? Well, which way do you send them, JA? Well, I definitely As- send
1: them to Crisis on Infinite Earth because at least flash comes out a little bit nice on this one i don't know what flash did to piss off mark russell but it must have been something bad because he's just a dick in this
2: (laughs) listen i can totally relate to flash i don't know what that says about me but i spent all my high school years like doodling in class and like teacher be like stop doodling
0: no no this this helps me from falling asleep yeah no mark russell took a page right out of peter david's playbook when he if you had somebody moves super fast they would be super bored at all times because nobody would be moving as fast as they could. They, basically, it was done in like a, a great issue of X-Factor with Quicksilver already.
2: The Petro-Maximov Syndrome.
0: <laughs> that's like, what, 87? Yep,
2: with the Joe was art. That was his first issue. Well, there you go. You should
0: go read that. That's a, recommend- kiss. that's a recommendation right from the start. But you're right. Like, he, he doesn't really care. He likes to build little boats. So maybe that's just, I don't know but that that was key to
2: the, the solution at the end of the story. Cause Superman is all about hope and how does he find hope uh, with a
0: ship in a bottle? I mean, to follow up, like, so what you're saying is you didn't like this book, J.A.
1: I thought it was a little pretentious. It was trying to be too cool for school and, you know, has all these references that I guarantee half the people reading this probably, I mean, I'm sure I missed a lot. Uh, and the ones I caught, some of them were funny and some of them I had to roll my eyes with like does he really need to save the Edmund Fitzgerald <laughs> right <laughs>
2: or the earth will be overrun with termites or crickets of some kind or <laughs>
0: right before the Beatles hit at Sullivan I thought it was charming. I, I mean, my initial thought of this was like, I really loved the first two issues. Honestly, I felt like the first two issues were some sort of magical series. Cause I, I really enjoyed Mark Russell's writing. I thought it was very moving at times. Uh, I like philosophy differences between Batman and Superman when it comes to the trolley. If you have a trolley flying through to run over uh, five people tied to a railroad track, And then there's like an innocent person just fixing the other track. Do you divert the trolley to kill that innocent person so that you can save the five people on the track? Batman's like, hell yes, you do that. Why? Because you don't want to give whoever tied the people to the track, the satisfaction of winning, which is kind of like the same thing that Lex Luthor says eventually. But, but Superman's like, no, you try to save all of them. And if you can't, Oh well, at least you tried to save all of them. And and so I, I thought that was all charming. And the Mike Allred art, you know I'm a fan of Mike Allred. It was one of the major reasons I picked this book because I've been a fan of Mike Alred since Madman in the 90s. Like that was one of that was the book that I I, I came of age of in, in terms of comic books. But at the same time, you get after issue two, and then yeah takes a nosedive like <laughs> wily coyote off a cliff trolley runs off the track <laughs> kills everybody there's not no rice that's saving this trolley i'll say that much it's it is not a san francisco treat it is i don't even know where to start with that third issue because again there were certain points that were okay but like help me guys like okay. I, so i let me just start off with my initial thoughts
2: because jay initially said you know is this part of the year of Chad? He knows I'm a big Mark Russell fan. I love me some Mark Russell books because here's the thing: Mark Russell goes back and he starts in the 60s and tells the story as though Superman is living in real time and is affecting things, you know, throughout the 60s. And the first thing I thought of when I read uh the first issue was, Wow, I haven't read something so much like The New Frontier since I actually just read The New Frontier, where you're putting the DC characters in real time set against the backdrop of Uh, And the new frontier, it was, it was the space race as well, where you had Hal Jordan being the test pilot and trying to break the speed of sound and all that other stuff. And here it's Superman, you know, learning his powers and learning how to deal with things. And Mark Russell's doing what he can in his own little pocket universe to, to make those corrections. He takes Lex Luthor and makes him a a Bruce Wayne Batman villain because Lex Luthor businessman is much more uh, simpatico with Bruce Wayne and where he lives. And then he gives you the dichotomy between Superman and Batman and how Batman, you know, will divert the train and kill the one person to save the five, not only to save the five people, but also to make sure that the villain doesn't get what he wants. Because that's what Batman is driven by vengeance. He's driven, you know, by making sure that you deny them whatever it is they're after, which in turn, spoiler alert, ends up killing Batman when he meets this universe's Joker, who... Was oppressed by Wayne Enterprises and their, uh, and this is a Mark Russell thing, you know how Wayne Enterprises was running people out of Gotham into the suburbs and then trying to get rid of all the buildings and get rid of the people that were left in the tenements and, you know, burning buildings down and they makes Joker his family a victim of that so Joker is hell bent for revenge against Bruce Wayne and then Bruce Wayne doesn't want the Joker to get what he wants and so ultimately Bruce Wayne ends up dying alongside the Joker and what happens because of that. Lex Luthor wins. <laughs> and then you have the Superman story, and Mark Russell wants to make the Superman story all about hope. And they're about how sometimes hope is, you know, almost even just lying to yourself to have that positive bent to make sure the positive thing happens. And sure, at the end of the story, and it gets kind of convoluted because you have this other Superman who builds a statue to the first Superman. And people are like, wow, it's kind of, you could just go build a statue to yourself. like, no, 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 it was this other guy. <laughs> but <laughs> because you had two Supermans in this multiverse, As all these other universes are being destroyed by Brainiac, one Superman's able to clone everyone's DNA and send it through to the universe that's left standing. And the Superman that had held out hope in that universe finds all of the Kryptonian shells. So, uh,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Brainiac? Like, Brainiac's in this book, right? He is in this book, but what does he do? Like,
2: So Pariah comes and tells Superman, hey, uh, by the way, uh, you know, the world's going to die. And so the Brainiacs are there and the Brainiacs' job is they're trying to stop the Anti-Monitor by sucking out all the energy for all these worlds the Anti-Monitor is going to destroy and diverting them to like one last shot they might have at another distant world. Oh, okay. Okay? So even when the Justice League fights the Brainiacs and the Brainiacs are like, yeah, 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 whatever, we'll let you hang out here for a little bit. Like It's a stalemate, it's not a victory, it's that kind of stuff. But so eventually Superman... He decides okay i'm done being a superhero i'm instead going to focus on science and his kryptonian science is going to clone the dna of all these people and he puts them in those crystals and uh to get enough ram on his crystal computer he has to delete his dad and his dad goes away but then he takes that and he sends it into another universe where there's another superman waiting to take the ball and then he takes the ball and he recreates all these people and uh so he gets to live with them whereas the other uh, the original superman He's dead now, I think. Right, he, but, he uh, repopulates new Superman. It,
1: in Earth. Is that Earth 2? Is that one of the Earths? I don't yeah, know. He repopulates they,
2: everything. But anyway, long-numbered things. Yeah, it's it's a big, long thing about hope and how sometimes it doesn't need to make sense. And But the problem is, and this is something that I've noticed uh, for the last couple of years with Mark Russell's stories. Mark Russell's stories used to be poignant and funny. And whenever he wrote the Flintstones, like he had all these uh, sociopolitical messages that he would imbue in his work. But he would do it in a way with charm and with it was just it was so entertaining to read. And starting with last year, we did the Future State Superman versus Lex Luthor story. Right. It was a fine story. But what it lacks is the same thing this one lacks. Is it lacks that charm? It lacks that joy. It might still have the hope. And it still might have the social, satirical, like, hey, uh, Bruce Wayne is a bad guy. Lex Luthor's a bad guy. But at the
0: end, as soon as Lex Luthor wins, because he's the baddest bad guy, uh, the universe comes to an end, it doesn't really matter. But there's not a joy there. Yeah, I think I was going to ask J.A. that. Because, again, like this book is supposed to be all about hope. But, like, at times, like I didn't feel it was very hopeful at all. No, I mean, it, each
1: issue is, like, over almost 90 pages, so you spend almost 300 pages getting to know this universe only for it to go away at the end. And you get like one page of this new universe where they all are walking around like it's THX with white jumpsuits.
2: Yeah. They come back. They're
1: all wearing the Superman movie clothes, right? I don't know. The writing I felt it's like those movies that have too much fan service. Sometimes it can come off as, you know, well-placed and funny and other times it just looks forced or it's like, Oh, that's, you know that's a fan service gag like when superman's talking to batman and turns around and batman's disappeared he goes where did batman go <laughs> like, oh that's that's funny but then it's like is it but is it really funny or is it just like like right. a cheap gag
0: no i felt that i felt i didn't feel the originality there right <laughs> I, I think honestly the only part that i felt original was honestly sometimes the way that he handled lex Luthor. like it was re- refreshing to hear like you know, oh he gets out of prison, notices is like, Yeah, we developed kryptonite so that you can kill Superman. Super. And he's just like, Why would I want to do that? What on the during recess yeah. on the playground? Yeah. Like, how much is this guy's net worth? And he's like, Oh, I think that guy killed himself. Yeah, and like but that was nowhere near
2: as good as the Mark Russell that I love, which was the very next panel where they're like, Yeah, and by the way, shampoo sales are down. Everybody has short hair now, so we're not selling enough shampoo. And Lex looks at the bottle. he's like, Look at these
0: instructions, wash, rinse. And repeat, there you go, problem (laughs) solved! Now let's get back to getting me out of jail! So yeah, like, I loved his Lex Luthor in this from beginning to end. Like, he did, and you know what, I liked Lex Luthor in the other book that we did, uh, The Superman and Imperious Lex. I thought it was a good, like, Mark Russell can write son of a bitch of a Lex Luthor. Like, he's, he's good at that. There was some sort of unevenness to this. Although I I can't I can't get away from the fact that for the first two issues, I had a hard time putting it down. Like it was it it was engaging to me. It's just I just didn't like that third issue, man.
2: See, I I had two big problems with this. And one is people would always tell me that Mark Russell books are heavy-handed. And I was like, yeah, they are, but they're also, you know, I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed the way he would say things like his Lone Ranger stuff was great. I love the Wonder Twins. I would recommend any teenager out there. Go get yourself a copy of The Wonder Twins. It's great. I loved Second Coming through Ahoy Comics, where it talks about Jesus coming back, and Jesus is a little bit of a rube, and people are like, oh, it's sacrilegious. No, it isn't. It was a thoughtful exploration of religion and how it would work today, and there are all these things that I think Mark Russell is a very thoughtful writer. But in this series, I could feel the heavy-handedness, because one, it starts off on the opening page where Superman's talking about something Jor-El told him where it's better to live with purpose and die by accident than to live by accident and die without purpose. And like he spends the entire book trying to hammer that home. It was heavy handed. And then the other big problem I had, and this breaks my heart a little to say, you have this story where one of the main hooks is it's progressing throughout time naturally. So it's starting in the sixties. You'd see the Kennedy assassination. You see all this other stuff happening in the background. Meanwhile, Superman's meeting up in the bar with Pariah every few years to see what's going on. And it ends in 1985 with The Crisis of Infinite Earths. But the problem is Mike Allred cannot show people aging. Like his art style was, it's great for other things. This was not in his wheelhouse. People either just look like raisins or they just look the same. Like Batman does an age a day. Days He's of he- with
1: women, I find. Lois Lane looks like Wonder Woman.
2: And uh, Mrs. Schumacher, Tess Schumacher, whatever her name is, he just makes her fatter. But, like, he doesn't even do the things they would do in superhero comics. We're like, oh, this superhero is older now? Because, uh, listen, I understand in superhero comics, all superheroes are either, like, 20s or 30s, or they're in their 50s. But when they're in their 50s, you give them that streak of gray in their hair. Yes, that is true. That is He he didn't do that thing. We couldn't tell these people were older because they didn't have those gray streaks. So I don't know if it's the tone and temper of the the DC universe uh, being what it is or not having enough room. But, honestly, I think Mark Russell... And a lot of his work recently, I, I just feel like he's saving his best stuff for his independent work. And uh, and as much as I love Mike Allred, because I do his art is fun. It just he was not the right fit on this book.
1: Oh, I'll tell you what the best part of this whole thing was, and it probably ran in every issue they put out that month. It's at the end of issue one that tribute to Neil Adams. <laughs> That was by far the best part of this entire book, and I just had a look, you know, maybe it's because it was written by Tom King, I don't know, you know, drawn by Josh Adams. That got a, I got a lump in my throat.
0: Oh, well, we'll be right back after these commercial breaks with more Last Comic Shop and our ratings of Superman Space Age, so stay tuned for that. (laughs) Welcome to
1: Victims and Villains. This is the channel where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. I'm your host, Captain Nostalgia, and I'm so glad that you are here to join us. Victims and Villains is a podcast and YouTube channel that marries pop culture and suicide prevention, producing content with the intent to let people know that there is hope, that there is a better way, and that each and every listener
0: has value and worth
2: listen to victims and villains on your favorite podcast catcher or on youtube by searching for victims and villains also check out their website victimsandvillains.net it was supposed to be a day at the beach but for four friends one wrong road will put them on a direct course to being the main course. Her name is Grandma Hazel, a chainsaw-wielding psychopathic cannibal. A beast of the backwoods with a body count higher than a bowl of blood-spattered scotch mints. From the creators of Pocus Hocus Hocus. Grandma, no! Grandma Chainsaw. Evil has a perm
0: with more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our ratings where if you were wondering whether this segment's going to be faster than a speeding bullet i think we've done that rating scale before in fact i think ja is gonna have trouble finding something superman related because we've done so many superman books on this uh, show right like i mean tons of them i mean but what do you got for us this week in terms of our rating scale
1: well, if we did faster than a speeding bullet, that's something that we could get away with because that copyright is gonna last. <laughs>
2: <laughs> faster than a speeding bullet on Earth
0: 8645 PX972-B. He did have the uh costume, that Superman of that universe. I think it was like a Kingdom Come costume, but you're right. Like if it was supposed to be Kingdom Come Superman didn't look anything like him at all i thought it was max fleischer
1: superman oh whatever i thought it was earth 2 superman
0: (laughs) that's what i'm saying
2: call call with capital l at the end of the day the whole public domain thing doesn't really matter because there's so many different Supermans out there and every company has their own superman dollar
0: store knockoff that you know, what's one more that just happened to be the original from 1938? You know what? I want to write some fan fiction about the electric Superman. Remember him? The blue and the red Supermans from yeah. the 90s? So you're going to have to wait. Who
2: who wrote that? I, I feel like Stuart Eminem was drawing that. And so wait till his death in 70 years. And then you're going to be dead by then. So
0: sorry, dude. <laughs> All right. Is it Spinning Bullets? Is Officially Speeding Bullets again on this show? No, I guess. no, no,
1: no, no. This uh, So it's more related to the book
0: itself. It's one out of four trolley cars. Oh, there you go. The San Francisco Treat. All right. Well, I'm going to go first with my right rating. And I, I, I seriously did really enjoy issues one and two. I think based on issues one and two, I would have given this a solid four because I... I don't care if it was cliche. I don't care if it was heavy handed. I really loved some of the parts of that. I loved the stories about you know Jonathan Kent and World War II. I loved the all the little meat cute moments that uh, that Lois and Clark had. Uh, I love the fact that like Lois Lane knew Clark Kent was Superman the entire time because. Again, she broke the Watergate scandals. He puts on a pair of glasses, for God's sakes. I mean, it, it, you're not going to get one over on Lois. And like it, it, it made that, that relationship really uh, matter because, again, she was testing Superman. She was like, this guy's got a lot of power. And like it wasn't until Superman opened up and started talking about his father that they, cause she fell in love with him. And it was like, you know, and for me, that was a really great relationship. Now, again, by issue three, she's stopped being a reporter. Maybe she's a reporter. I don't know. She spends most of her time at the Fortress of Solitude, which is uh, issue three. I had major problems with. So that's why it's going to come down from a four. Does it come down a lot from a four? Mm, I don't know. I How about 2.95? It's not exactly a 3. Because for a book that's all about hope, it increasingly gets more bleak as the issues go on. I mean, I'm going to say it bluntly. I think issue 3 almost borders on an exercise in nihilism at points. I mean, there's nothing in that issue but death and destruction and the ending of things and I know that Mark Russell even makes a comment you know in a conversation between Clark and his son Jonathan that you know everything has to come to an end but boy it doesn't have to come to an end like that and even with sending the crystal to a different universe you get all these scenes with the Justice League just like dying in pools of fire and 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 trying to save individuals, but, like, failing miserably. It kind of felt like, like, Passion of the Christ or something like that, where it's just like, how much, like, abuse do I need to see the DC characters go through? I think you've made your point, Mark Russell. Go outside and, I don't know, spend some time in the fresh air and the sunshine or something. This is, this is hard to stomach. And plus, although I really love Mike Allred's art, I do agree with Chad that sometimes he has difficulties making people sometimes look different. They kind of all look like folks from the Madman series. But then again, I really love Madman, Superman, Hullabaloo, and so I really do like the way that he draws Superman. So I didn't have a problem with it for the most part, other than the fact that everybody just looked the same, even though 20 years had lapsed from the beginning the end. I will say this, though, I think this is much better than the last time Mark Russell did one of those decades kind of books with Fantastic Four Life Story, which we also covered on this show. I think at least this, I I cared about Superman much more than I cared about Reed Richards in that last book. J.A.?
1: Yeah, I I went back and forth on this book, whether it was good or just trying to be good and the writer sort of using all of his different tools but yet ultimately i think it just comes together as a bunch of elements with that with don't quite work i it's it's a two trolley cars for me it's a retelling of crisis on infinite earths why why didn't we just get an original story that is what i was missing i was like okay i like what he's trying to do but Why don't you try to do it with an entirely new original story? Why do you have to just retell Crisis? There's so many, so many Superman stories that you can tell. Why retell Crisis? And the interesting bits, Lex Luthor, Bruce Wayne kind of got lost. And I thought, you know, at points, I was like, why can't we just get that Batman story? That's much more interesting.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Batman v. Lex.
1: And then Batman sort of, you know, having to retake Wayne Enterprises back because he let it lapse and it it destroyed Gotham. I was like, can not we go back to that? That That's a much more interesting story than Clark Kent learning how to shuck corn slowly because there's one way to do it. And then there's another way to do it and hear corny tales while you're doing it.
0: <laughs> All right, Chad, you're the huge Mark Russell fan. And I, I will say for the record, we've done now three three Mark Russell books on this show. What do you think of this one? So
2: I, I want to start by saying what I'm going to say comes out of a place of love because I I genuinely did love a lot of the earlier Mark Russell works. And I remember like you have those rankings in your head of, uh, of writers and, you know, comic creators and Mark Russell was darn near the top for me. Like when he was doing his Lone Ranger with Bob Q, like that was great. Any book he touched, I you know, I would recommend I'm like, oh, you gotta read this, you gotta read this. The last two years, I, I think I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he needs to go on vacation or what, but like he needs to do something to find the joy again. And it it's reflected in these stories. And I I don't mind heavy-handed. I don't mind preaching, I, I don't mind his social satire. I, you know, agree with so much of what he writes. Um, all of that stuff is there honestly i think the problem with this series was twofold one as much as i love mike allred art and mike allred has that style where it's jazzy it's poppy it's you know it's exciting um, i don't think he was the right artist for this book and i also think that uh one of the writers that has eclipsed mark russell you know in my all if i see his name on a book i'll buy that one for sure is tom taylor and what Mark Russell needed was not a three-issue prestige series. What Mark Russell needs is a universe, or he needs a book similar to Tom Taylor's Injustice, where he could explore the Justice League and what makes each of the Justice League members tick. Because I thought his Batman stuff was was cool. His uh, Superman and Pa Kent, those conversations, like those were thoughtful, those were nuanced. I think the ingredients are there. But it's almost like they try to cram this stuff in. You need, in Second Coming, where they go to heaven and, you know, God is having lunch and you see all the fast food restaurants that have gone away in the background. Like, oh, look, there's a Racks, there's a Kenny Rogers Roasters, there's this, there's that. There are all these little clever notes in some of these other Mark Russell books. You know, go and read the Flintstones. There's so many great little things in there that you pick up on the side. And I think he would be better suited instead of a three-issue prestige series. Put him on a book for a year or two years. Let him explore his thoughts because he has great ideas, but he needs to find a new way to make that exciting. Give it some juj, some je ne sais quoi, uh, to get him back over the hump again. Because Superman versus Imperius Lex, it was okay. It wasn't great. Fantastic Four Life story. It was okay. You know, uh, this book, it's okay. It's not fully embracing his strengths. He needs to write a Lex Luthor book. Yeah, uh, that would be great. Lex Luthor versus the DC universe. And how cool would that be? Yeah. You know, or Lex Luthor running the Legion of doom,
1: but, but maybe not drawn by Mike Allred, Cause I do agree. His, his style is very whimsical, right? And, and it doesn't translate well sometimes to, especially Superman. Cause Superman is meant to, you know, I don't know. He's the alpha superhero of all superheroes.
2: I mean, I could see in terms of the big theme, like Mike Allred is a very hopeful artist. And he's good with some of those emotional moments. But he's not good with the passage of time. He's not good with showing like deteriorated cities and things of that nature. He's not good at the dirt and grime of the universe. He's too stylized. He's too poppy. He's too fun. But I, I just think it was a bad fit. So, would would I love this more if it was a twelve issue series and Mark Russell had I you know time for his ideas to breathe? I, I think I would. And as a result, I'm giving the series two point five. Oh. 2.5 out of 4
0: trolley cars. I think it was a, a good swing, but I don't think it connected. Right. Well, I, I I kind of disagree a little bit with your whole 12 issues. I think he needs more than that. Because honestly, if you think about this particular book, each issue was 90 pages. That's that funny. is technically like three issues of a standard comic book. So at least this was a nine-issue run. Maybe we are missing like another three issues that maybe you could have put it over the top. I don't know. I just, gosh, that third issue. Why that, that third that, issue? Not, uh, and that's a third of the book, right?
1: That's not just okay. that you can't just ignore it. It's like Chad choosing to ignore half of Castle because he didn't want to.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that wasn't good, but the rest of it was great. <laughs> all right well some other great books that we hope you don't ignore are our recommendations yes part of our show where we like to give you other comic books in addition to superman the space age which you can pick up at your local comic book shop if you are so inclined and we're going to go ahead and start off this week with j.a scott who has i think it's another chapter in his continuing saga
1: that's right a particular book Yes, it's more of a re evaluation than a recommendation. Last year, I recommended that people not read the Dan Slott, Mike Allred, Silver Surfer because it wasn't Silver Surfer. And I was just, that being said, it has recently been republished in omnibus form. It had been out of print for a while, but it's back. You can get the newly published omnibus. And I bought it because. There's just not a lot of Silver Surfer out there, so <laughs> I want to support the character because I love him so much. So I bought it, and I've been reading it, and if you read it as an Elsewhere story, and you don't read it as something that is sort of the Silver Surfer that many probably came up with either – the Stanley Silver Surfer from the 60s and the early 70s or the Silver Surfer from the 80s and the early 90s uh, that features in in Infinity Gauntlet and the Ron Lim, Ron Mars Silver Surfer, then it's fine. (laughs) If you read it as that, if you kind of say, oh, it's kind of a Silver Surfer meets Doctor Who whimsical story, it's great. I was also reevaluating my stance on the book because I I read on Twitter that this is the book that sort of got comic book couples counseling together or either bought they either bonded over this book or they became a couple reading this book together or they were a couple and this is the book that it's the story of their lives I don't know they were shouting its praises and so it forced me to reevaluate my rather harsh initial take on it because it is ultimately this this entire thing is a big story of love. Aww, True, we shall see.
0: True love. Oh, so
1: that is my you. recommendation: the, oh. the newly republished Dan Slott, Mike Allred, Silver Surfer omnibus. It looked beautiful on the shelf.
0: Oh yes, and are are you finally a fan of Chad? My favorite issue from that run: the Mobius strip issue, where it runs backwards and forwards. Mike Allred, I mean, I hope he doesn't come away from this week's show thinking, like, we're not fans of his work. Like, I've been a fan of Madman for years, and, like, that issue was tremendously creative. Oh, yeah, even recent Silver Surfer, FF, Mike Allred, those are all the bee's knees. Yeah. Well, speaking of kind of uh, revisiting franchise character, whatever, my, my recommendation is also a revisiting of sorts. Uh, As you may or may not know, we've covered a lot of books by the team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Like they've got so many crime comic books out there. So you go back, you listen to our Reckless Review, you listen to the recent Pulp Review that we just did this year, and it has spawned so many imitators out there that sometimes it's hard, you know, say, oh, well, I'm not going to read that, I'm going to read that. But I did pick up a book that a lot of folks have been reading just simply because Jacob Phillips, who is the son of Sean Phillips, who does all of those wonderful colors and all of those Brew Baker Phillips joints, he d- did all the art for this particular series. And that series is that Texas blood. It's written by Chris uh, Condon, and it really is. Again, in that similar vein of all those crime comic books that Ed Brubaker comes out with, where you get this small town in Texas, and there's a small town sheriff named Joe Bob Coates, he's been around the block and back and it starts off with an issue all about a casserole dish that ends in tragedy and the rest of the first volume which is the one that i'm recommending is deals with the mysterious death of travis terrell who's kind of a unsavory character in that small town but he had a brother named randy who was also kind of unsavory but randy moved away tried to escape from that small town his Shadowy past, or whatever but his the death of his brother brings him back to that hot, sweaty Texas, and stirs up his blood. And from there, it's a it's a tale of crime and woe, and old passions and old hatreds. I will say this, although it could have been very easily an Ed Brubaker book at times, because again, it even with all like the little. You know, caption boxes and the way that, like, Ed Brubaker likes to write things, Priscadone does write really good characterization, like you would get in any of those Ed Brubaker joints. And so it's, it's kind of like uh, going and, and wanting to see, a, like, a Martin Scorsese film, but then eventually just seeing, like, Guy Ritchie film instead. And you're like, yeah, this was pretty good still. I, I enjoyed it. Priscadone and Jacob Phillips, I like where they're going. It's a continuing series go pick it up that texas blood it's pretty good chad for my recommendation i'm going to go to the one spot where
2: i still see mark russell having fun and that is through ahoy comics he's currently uh, wrapping up his second mini series in his billionaire island story and basically if you want lex luther you're not going to get lex luther but you can get billionaire island where, you know, the ultra-rich go to escape. The
0: plane! The plane! The plane!
2: <laughs> That's Tattoo from Fantasy Island. There you go. But uh, but no, in this one, the billionaires have set themselves you know, apart from society. The problem is there's a Punisher-esque character that comes through in the first miniseries. And it's all the fun of the Mark Russell satire, combined with Stephen Pugh, who was the guy who worked on the Flintstones, which... I think I've already recommended it a number of times, but that's also in there as well as a recommendation. But uh, it's the one spot where I still see Mark Russell having fun and using his satire in a clever way. And so as much as the Superman stuff has left sort of a, a sour taste, I recommend you go and track down Billionaire Island or its sequel uh, series, Billionaire Island, The Cult of Dogs. Uh, Both will give you that fun Mark Russell that uh, we've been lacking out of his DC work.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mark Russell's got some great books out there. Not All Robots? Not All Robots? I love that one. That one, a bunch of stuff. Eisner's and all kinds of great, great stuff. So any case, we're hoping that you not only check out this week's show, but also go back to our archives and check out some past reviews we did of Mark Russell stuff, such as Superman uh, and Imperious Lex or uh, Fantastic Four Life Story. And you can find all of those episodes available over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find episodes, because that's what a podcast is. It's just (laughs) more Evergreen episodes. And we we hope that ours is different in that way. That you can listen to them out of order. You can listen to them as you're reading certain books. You can be like, wow, I just picked that up at the comic book store or the library or whatever. And I've read it. And now I want to listen to the, what the last comic shop thought of that. So make sure that you're getting all of those episodes, as well as making sure that you're protecting your comic books. It's important to protect them because you never know when the anti-monitor might come and try to destroy your universe and so you might have to shuffle them off somewhere else well the best place to put them is not in crystals but in stuff you get from bcwsupplies.com that wonderful place where you can get bags and boards and boxes and clamshells and even if you're into baseball cards, it's baseball season. You can get stuff for that, too. Use promo chromo code LCSPOD and you get 10% off your order, which will help you uh, save money to build some sort of interdimensional lifeboat so that you can eventually leave and make a statue of yourself somewhere
2: else. Right, you give your collection to Multiverse U, who can then repopulate it with water. Uh, like one of those little pill things that turns into a dinosaur. <laughs> can I can I can I leave this forced sponsorship transition? That was painful. <laughs> well, you can, and you can head on to our social media accounts at Atlas Comic Shop, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube or Hive or wherever we are out there, uh, where you can find things like weekly polls that Jay puts up. You could find golden age covers to help tuck you in at night you can find general conversation about what's going on in the comic book world random memes that andy's found all that's out there on our socials and if you don't know where to go you can always go back to home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where you can find what else ja we have a link to our merch store where you can get
1: shirts mugs t-shirts with our to be confirmed copyright or trademarked logo. Don't know that yet. <laughs> Got to get the lawyers on that.
2: Intern legal.
1: Also, beautiful art prints by our wonderful special guest on the show from time to time, Mikey Wood. And also, uh, well, just basically anything you need
0: tote bags <laughs> <laughs> i need more than tote bags like I, I mean we don't have groceries out there i know need... <laughs> it's not the amazon yet
1: but it's we're getting exactly. there
0: can't buy toilet paper and water yet so like i think we're tote bags mugs yeah yeah we got that covered but uh, you're yeah. also your local comic book shop's got what covered chad
2: well they've got the books we've talked about today whether it was superman the space age by mark russell with mike the spike all red or you could go and find The Silver Surfer by Dan Slott and Mike Allred. Or maybe you want to find Billionaire Island by Mark Russell or Stephen Pugh. Or you're going to go with That Texas Blood by Chris Condon and Sean Phillips's kid.
0: No. <laughs> Jacob no. Phillips! He's got the same name as Bison. He's the Jacob Dylan. He's awesome. And, and we do have some wonderful news for everybody. On May 20th of uh, this year, we're going to be again doing the live stream for The Cure. Yes, it's the last comic shop's opportunity to give back by supporting cancer research. So make sure that if you're at a computer on May 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you're gonna get a bonus episode of The Last Comic Shop to support live stream for the cure. Details will be on our social media all throughout April as well as May leading up to the event. So we hope to see you there. Bring your checkbooks. Make sure that you support our continuing efforts to uh end cancer <laughs> in our lifetime, I guess. Yeah, yeah to I do think-
2: good stuff. I don't think you need to be on a computer. You could probably get it on your smartphone. Oh, yes. All sorts of technological ways. But seriously, this is one of the things that's one of my proudest achievements here with the podcast is with your help, we can actually do some good and contribute to a great cause. So please, if you can tune in even better, if you can donate and help support us and supporting a, a positive thing out there in the, in the universe and just like Superman. Keeping
0: hope alive. Yes. And until next week, when we hope that you come back to our shop and, and you don't unsubscribe before then, I'm the host with the most Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And remember to stay safe, stay speedy like a speeding bullet. And remember he may be the man of steel, but you're not going to be able to use that in a comic book of your own because that's trademarked. Yeah. That's that. That's off the table. Even you, once he wants it's public domain. You can't use Man you, of Steel. You could, you could put a guy in blue and red underpants. But, well, but not on the well, cover. He did that, but right? But not on
1: the cover. Not on the cover. Not the
0: name. I thought
1: you could do the character. You could make references to the character, just not D- I don't know, so DC probably going to come after you if you if you put a Superman-looking character on the cover. The, you wouldn't be able to have the S. S. Man, You'd have you to can... have like a different S. Well, the, the original S. I do I would do the S means hope. Oh, In, wow. like, hel- In like Helvetica yeah, font. No, it's- no,
0: no.
2: Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.